Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Uh, This morning, if you have your Bible, I actually want to read uh, a portion of Scripture to you to kind of set our uh, just direction. If you have it, just go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If that's in your, what I like to call the real Bible, I don't see anybody flipping. That's scary, right? Like, look, guys, we need these. Amen. Amen. And uh, so if you got a screen, flip that. If, uh, if you don't have that, you're in sin. <laughs> I'm not laughing. Okay? All right. That's strong. You might think religious, but it's okay. Here we go. Ephesians 4, verse 11 says this. It says, And he, Jesus himself, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give us what we like to call the fivefold? Look at verse 12. It says, For the equipping, somebody say equipping. Equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, the reason I'm reading that to you today is simply because this. Is so often we come to church and the message that's preached is uh, typically uh, built around our needs as a church. In other words, if it's forgiveness, it's identity or whatever it is. Uh, but I want you to know that this morning uh, the, the message is intentionally uh, wrapped around the idea that we want to help you be more equipped to do the hands-on, life-on-life work of ministry. Amen? So if you can, please take notes and, uh, and believe Jesus is going to talk to you. Believe Jesus is going to challenge you. Amen? Amen? Amen. All five of us are here today. Yes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. God, we come with hungry hearts. We come with expectant hearts. Father, we give you full permission today to uh, rattle us in our comfort zone. God, we give you full permission to speak to us and begin to change our ideas and the way we think and the way we do life. Uh, Lord, we want our lives to count for something. God, even as we were singing a while ago that our hearts and our lives are yours. God, we don't want to sing lies to you. God, we actually want to uh, do what we sing and do what we say. So, Lord, would you come and just do what you do with your anointing and changes in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes to reiterate and uh, reinforce some of the biblical truths that I mentioned in last week's message. And uh, to do so, I want to actually read three uh, very similar scriptures here right off the top. And the first one comes from Romans. If you can, get hungry and hang with me here. Romans 8.31 says this. It says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Can somebody say all things? Look at 1 Timothy 6. It says, Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Somebody say all things. Last verse, 2 Peter Verse 1, it says, or chapter 1, it says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life 
and godliness. I want to reverse three again. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. One more time. Can you say all things? Awesome. Listen, in my opinion, those two words, all things, reveal God's unconditional love for us. Does anybody agree with that? Listen, that's because of his immense love for you and I that God has actually chosen to withhold nothing good from those who have surrendered their hearts or given their lives wholeheartedly to him. And I think that's an incredible good news, right? Like, that's amazing. So think about this for a moment. When then those two words, all things, we actually discover that our Heavenly Father has freely given us access to his joy, to his peace, to his strength, to his provision, to his freedom, to his healing, his protection, his guidance, and his wisdom. And if guys, if that wasn't enough, he said he actually took it a step further and he gave us access to his anointing, his power, and his authority. Now, listen, I don't know about you, but I think it's important for you and I to remember that we didn't earn any of these things. Right, Because the reality is, is every one of us can actually relate to what Paul wrote to the church of Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at it together. I'm going to be really scripture heavy up here at the top. So Ephesians 2 verse 12 says this. He says basically that a time, uh, that there came a time that you were separate from Christ. Remember a time that you were separate from Christ. Uh, foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world. Can anybody remember that time? I do. But watch verse 13. It says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once uh, far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, or as other translations say, the middle wall of separation. That's my favorite. So, you see, when Jesus died for us on the cross and rose from the grave, uh, he removed the middle wall of separation that was created by our sin. In other words, he removed the very thing that was standing in the way between us and him, thus providing a way for us uh, to be saved. Amen? But listen, Paul went on to say that the moment that we put our faith in everything that Jesus did, God not only saved us, but he also did something else really cool. And if we can, let's fast forward a few verses to verse 19. It says this in Ephesians 2, 19. It says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners. In other words, that wall is gone, thank God. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household. Can somebody say household? That we are members of the household of God. See, this means that the moment that you and I actually ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of our lives, instead of us remaining as enemies in opposition, opposed to God, that he, by the blood of his own son, that he brought us near so that he can not only forgive us, but so that he could also make us part of the family. You see, he redeemed us so that you and I could become his children, and not just children. This is key for where we're going, but he made us heirs. See, that's why Paul said this in Galatians 4. Love this portion of scripture. He says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those, that's you and I, under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave to anything in Jesus' name, but God's child, and since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. And then uh, last, Romans 8 actually echoes this. It says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
and of children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs or co-heirs with Christ. Great place to say amen. All right, so I tell you all of that just to simply show you this, that all the things that we listed a while ago that the Father has given us as his children, all those things are nothing more than our rightful inheritance as co-heirs with Christ. And as heirs, what that means is that simply this, is what belongs to Jesus belongs to us. Right? In other words, that Jesus has chosen to share his inheritance, all those things with you and me. Once again, that's the peace, that's the strength, the wisdom, the anointing, the power, the authority, all those things. Y'all believe that today? Listen, I just want to say this. Once again, not because we've somehow earned it. On the contrary, all those things have been freely given to us because of the covenant rights that we have received as sons and daughters of the living God. In fact, if you could just get this one statement in your heart, that inheritance only comes through sonship. That inheritance only comes through sonship. So if we realize it or not, watch this, the the inheritance that we've been given includes every promise in the Bible. Because the Bible tells us in Galatians 3.29 that we are heirs according to the promise. It's good news, right? This also includes what? When we talk about our inheritance, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. It also includes what? That we get the chance to partake in His divine nature. Yes, okay? Let me give you a little extra thought and we'll move where we're going. Um, just something I want you to know today, especially with the days that we're living in, just an extra thought here. Um, as it seems like things keep getting darker and darker, have you noticed that? Uh, I just want to encourage you to remember what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1. He said this. He said that we have received an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. That this inheritance, that all things, is kept in heaven for you. Come on, that means if our inheritance is being kept, or we can say protected by heaven, then that means this world can't touch it or change it. Great news, right? So listen, as it appears like so many around us are talking gloom and doom, and man, every time you turn the TV on the radio, somebody's shoving a fear tactic down, the, uh, you know, down our throats. Uh, let's just remember this. God's not given us a spirit of fear. Right? But on the contrary, we have been given a peace that surpasses all understanding that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. They can pump the fear, but we got to remember, he said he would not forsake us so we can walk in hope and we can walk in joy. And because we've been given this unshakable inheritance that Peter was talking about, you and I can be confident that God's going to provide for us. Right? And he's going to guide us whatever's going to come our way. Great news in Jesus' name. Right? we got to believe the promise. Yes. All right, so with all that in mind, let's shift gears, because here's where uh, I really want to go today, okay? And we're going to get serious. Um, As amazing as our inheritance is as co-heirs with Christ, I want you to know today that uh, there still remains an undeniable reality that I believe that you and I can't continue to ignore in the church, especially because of the times we are living in, and most likely that we're about to move into, okay? Okay. And that is this, is we cannot afford to continue to ignore, or maybe we could even say be content with, uh, the sizable gap that stands between what God has given us access to, right, and what we are actually walking in. Like, we went through that list a while ago, and those sound great. They sound great, but I, you know what, I just think it's true that yes, he's given us all those things, but if we want to admit it or not, there's a currently, there is currently a disconnect in the body of Christ between what God has promised and what we put into practice. 
Yes, now listen, I don't know about you, but I am fed up, like fed up, with seeing the church get their butts handed to them. Okay, and the reason is, is because they don't understand what we're going to talk about today. Y'all with me? All right, so listen, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear all that, but in my opinion, uh, the greatest disconnect that's currently taking place with all those things we mentioned is in the, in the areas that really fall under the categories of the anointing, power, and authority. Okay, this is how we're connecting to last week. Anointing, power, and authority. Now, I, I've really just tried to figure out why that's the case, and I've asked myself, man, is it, is it because we lack faith? Is it because we lack courage? While I'm certain those things, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, basically contribute to the issue, I'm not sold that that's the problem. And truthfully, I think this disconnect that we're dealing with in the body of Christ really boils down to two things, and you may disagree with me, and if you do, that's fine, uh, but... But you're going to hear me today. All right, here we go. So, <laughs> All right, so in my opinion, the first reason is this. The first reason there's a disconnect is because there are those who just don't know what they've been given. They just don't know. They don't know what they've been given. Quite simply, this really boils down to one word. It's called ignorance. Right? And I don't mean that people are dumb and unintelligent. The truth is that's not the case at all. Uh, you know, but by ignorance, I mean this, is that they honestly just do not know what they have been given, that they've been given an anointing, that they've been given power, and that they've been given authority as a part of their inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now, let me give you an example. I kind of alluded to this briefly last week. But um, years ago, I decided, you know, hey, man, this time I need to clean up my wallet. The thing's getting thick, and there's just a bunch of junk in there that I don't need. Any fellas ever been there? Yeah, amen. So listen, I was, I was cleaning up my wallet like, man, I took everything out of all the different compartments or pockets, whatever you want to call them, and I began to set it on the table, right? You begin to make your trash pile and the things you want to keep, right? And, and while I was removing the contents from the main compartment, you know that part that you put all your cash in, right? All you ballers in here, you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and so, so I, anyway, so I was cleaning that out, and you know, in my wallet, it's more like a bunch of receipts, right? Anyways, so anyways, I, I rediscovered a, a hidden compartment in there that my wallet it actually has this uh, this zipper that kind of runs parallel to the big part to create a like a little hidden compartment uh, to hide the goods in. I don't know, whatever, right? <laughs> so. Anyways, I was like, well, I'll unzip it and see what's in there. And and to my surprise, I found something that I did not know I had, okay? It it wasn't 20 bucks. It wasn't 50 bucks. It was five $100 bills neatly folded, just tucked in there. How many of you guys know I wasn't expecting that, and I was ecstatic, right? Like, (laughs) Like it was Christmas morning all over again. Anybody feel me? I know to some of you ballers in here, $500 is nothing, but that's something to me, right? Anyway, so, so in case you're wondering, I, I have to tell you this. Yesterday when I was <coughs> typing this up, I said, you know what? I, I need to look in that pocket again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, the Lord can do it again, right? He, he can do it again because I have no clue where that money came from. Anyways, so I opened it up, and the only thing I found in there to my utter disappointment was an expired fishing license. Anyway, so... <laughs> Uh, anyways, I guess we only found the coin in the, in the fish's mouth one time. I guess Whatever, anyway, so here we go. So here's the moral of the story that I'm getting at. Here's why I give you that illustration. Is I had a resource, $500 available to me, that I never, I never tapped into. I never put it to use because I was ignorant of its very existence. Likewise, listen, I've come to the conclusion that that's exactly where so many Christians are at today is the reason they aren't walking in a greater measure of the anointing and power and authority is because, quite honestly, they don't even know they have it. 
right? And, and I think, I don't know about you, but that's a tragedy. Yes, it's a tragedy. So listen, if by chance today uh, this describes you, okay, and, and you're like, man, how do I solve this problem? In other words, if you can honestly, let, let me say this. If you look at your life and you go, well, I'm not sure if I operate in this, this, this well, you're probably not because you'd know. Okay? And, and, so, and so how do you get from where you're at to once again shrinking that gap to be where God wants us to be? And it's not for somebody that's got a tie. It's for every believer, y'all. Every believer. I think it's pretty simple. The solution is this. And maybe I'm dumbing it down too much. But, man, we need to get into the word. And we need to stay there long enough until it gets inside of us. See, my Bible tells me in Joshua 1.8, it says, Do not depart from this book, right, the book of the law, but meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. And then it says, then you'll be prosperous and successful in what? In all those things, right? So we need to get the word of God in us, right? So, so it, it's kind of like this. Uh, let me not for time's sake. All right, I was going to go on a tangent, but let's not. So listen, I just think you and I have to study the word long enough until we have a real revelation of what our inheritance is. Right, And then the next step is this, is we have to learn through an intimate relationship with Jesus how to walk in the anointing, how to walk in the power, how to walk in the authority that he has freely given us. You, you can't walk in it if you're not connected to the source. Amen? So once again, I just want you to know that it is possible for everyone, and I'm going to say this for somebody today. If you're hearing that, please don't mentally disqualify yourself. Like, don't sit back and go, well, that's for these people over here, but that's not for me. In fact, I want to just show you something. The, the bottom line is this, is when you were saved, all this stuff was deposited in you. That's what the Bible says, right? And so we have to learn how to have access to it. So when it comes to that disqualifying piece, look at Colossians 1.12 with me. And I think we have it. Yes, thank you all. It says, in giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. You didn't qualify you. He qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. Great news. All right. So in my opinion, uh, in my opinion, the second reason why we don't operate like we're supposed to operate is this. is because so many of us, uh, man, we just keep waiting on God to do it all. We keep waiting on God to do it all. Okay, let me, let me pause for commercial break here. I am probably about to say some things that are going to mess with you, okay? And, and, and truthfully, I'm just going to be honest and vulnerable here. Uh, there's a good chance I might need to sit on this part a little bit longer than what I have so I could communicate it better, but we're going to go for it, okay? So, so y'all give me grace. Uh, it, it is, it, you know, I'm not sure if I had the best language, but, but I, think I'm, I think I'm accurate biblically, Okay? All right. So we talk about people who just keep on waiting for God to do it all. But, man, is that really how it works? <clears throat> that we just kind of sit around, twiddle our thumbs, perpetually waiting on God to step out of heaven and unravel the mess for us. Is that how it works? No, it's absolutely not. That's not how it works at all. Listen, that's not how Jesus did it, and it's not how we're supposed to do it. Let me explain to you what I mean because I'm getting looks. 
When you read the Bible, uh, man, you, you see basically Jesus is asleep in a boat, right? And you got some disciples sitting there, and they're, you know, whatever, talking how great the day has been. A storm comes rolling in, and the Bible actually uh, teaches, when you get in the Greek language, that there was a demonic spirit behind it that was hurling the waves in the wind. So it was a uh, spiritual attack on Jesus and his disciples. And, and it was so, uh, you know... Uh, treacherous. You got to remember, half these guys were fishermen. Being on the sea wasn't new to them. They had, they had uh, you know, I guess what, uh, lived through many storms. But here they are. The storms are raging, and they're so scared they think they're about to die. And so they go, and Jesus is asleep in the front of the boat, and uh, in the stern's what it says. I think I'm right with that. Anyways, you boat guys, you can get me later. But anyway, so he woke him up, and, and it says Jesus woke up. Did he wake up and go, well, guys, let's hope the Father comes and does something. We'll wait on him. What did he do? The Bible says he spoke to the storm. Right? Let me give you another one. I'll give you somebody outside of Jesus. Uh, you know, just in my head, in the book of Acts, Paul's walking around. It says, for days, this girl who uh, sold the color purple, right? Anyway, she was uh, demonically possessed, and she kept going behind. These guys are of the way. They're, the, they're here to teach the Son of God, right? They're, they're here to give you the truth. And it's a demon talking out of the gal, right? And it says, after a few days, Paul got fed up. And he just didn't sit back and go, Father, I wish you would do something. No, the Bible says he turned around and he rebuked the woman or rebuked the uh, spirit and the spirit came out of the woman. Am I, am I making sense? So we don't just sit back and wait for things to happen, right? So, so listen, on that note, let me give you a, is everybody tracking with me? Yeah. Can I get it? Okay, good. Let, let me give you a, a seemingly odd scripture that's found in Isaiah 45 uh, that will more than likely kind of flip our theological uh, apple cart, Okay. So, but I think it's a powerful truth here. So it's Isaiah 45. I warned you, okay? For the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and its maker says this, ask me about the things to come concerning my sons. That's us. <clears throat> Listen to what he goes on to say. And give me orders. I looked it up myself. The word orders means a command. Give me a command. Concerning the work, that word means power of my hands. So God says, give me orders concerning the work of my hands. Or we could say, give me a commandment concerning the power of my hands. I warned you it was going to be different. But it's in there, okay? Now, what does the Lord mean when he tells us to command the power of his hands? Uh, to be clear, okay? I told you I might need a little bit more time on this. But I don't think he means that we are somehow to take the position where we think we're mightier and more powerful than him. And now we have the right to order him like he's some genie in a lamp. Guys, this isn't Aladdin. Single fellas in this room, I'm sorry. Jasmine's not about to walk through the door. And we're not trying to make a whole new world, right? That, that's ridiculous, right? Okay, so, but, but I do think this. I do think that he wants us to be aware of the works that he has already done by his power. Okay, and not just here, extra-biblically, we have thousands of years of God moving in incredible ways, right? Testimonies, okay? So I think God wants us to be aware of that. And I think he wants us to actually have the faith to step out and to use or command the authority that he has already given us by doing what? By commanding his power through the name of Jesus so he can do it all again. Am I making sense? Okay. 
Listen, guys, remember, he has given us dominion, and he has given us the delegated authority. Okay? Let, let, let me give you some, a story that actually might mess with you. Um, there's a, an, an old minister. He's passed away now. Uh, he passed away, I don't know, probably about, two, maybe about 20 years ago. Uh, but I respect highly, respect him highly in the Lord, okay? And I remember him telling this story, and it messed with my theology. He said this. He said that he was sitting in a kitchen, and this was, I don't know, probably back in the 40s or 50s or 60s when pastors would come to town that actually stay with the minister. And, uh, and so he was sitting in the kitchen, right? And he was a visiting speaker, and he was sitting there, and he was eating a sandwich with the pastor. And the pastor got up, and the pastor went to bed. He decided to sit in the room and to just pray. And this guy had an incredible walk with the Lord. And uh, while he's sitting there praying, Jesus walks in the room, okay? And, and while Jesus begins to open his mouth to tell him something, a demon comes and stands in between them. And the demon begins to make a noise that I won't make at this moment, but it was just like racket, okay? And the guy was sitting there going, uh, Jesus, do something, like, obviously, you showed up. You're trying to tell me something. It's got to be important, right? Could you, like, deal with the demon and, and basically so I can hear you, right? And, and after a few minutes of that demon making racket and him, you know, not hearing anything Jesus said, he got angry and fed up, and he rebuked the devil and told him to get out of the room. The devil left. And then he asked Jesus, Jesus, he said this. He said, uh, why, why uh, didn't you do something and Jesus taught him a great lesson I think you and I need to learn. Jesus said this, it's not that I wouldn't. In other words, it's not that I wasn't willing to do something for you. It's that I couldn't. Y'all are like, what? God can't do it? No, no, listen. He, read the Bible, he has given us the authority. So he said, I can't do what I've basically commissioned you to do. Do y'all understand we read the Bible? Y'all like, I don't know if I believe this. Read the Bible. Genesis, Revelations. There's only, thank you, Jesus. There's only, uh, there, there's, only, there's only one spot where the Bible actually, where God actually says he will rebuke the devil for you. And that's when you give your tithes and offerings. It's in Malachi chapter 3. Am I making sense to y'all? So once again, so often in this life, things come to us and we think it's from God and it's not in the Bible, but we say, oh, well, it's got to be God because it comes to us. No, no, no. There's a real devil, once again, and we got to get fed up with him and we got to use the authority that he's given us and we got we to handle it. Hello. Like, like, let, me help, let me help some of y'all out. Some of y'all that got dysfunctional relationships in your family. When's the last time that you rebuked and bound the devil and told him to move on so the peace of God could come back in your family and God could restore relationships? God, when are you going to do it? We're waiting. No, 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 no. Get ticked off. Yeah? Who do you think brought the confusion in the first place? It wasn't God. He's not the author of it. Am I making sense? All right, so listen, let me give you maybe a quote that might sound a bit strange, but I, I think the example of us using our, using our authority of what we're talking about here, um, an example would be Smith Wigglesworth, and I've referred to him quite often, but Smith was an English plumber uh, that had his life basically dramatically changed at the age of 40, 48 years old when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. The, the dude was a plumber. He had a stuttering problem, was scared to death get in front of people. He got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he became, uh, you know, at 48 years old from a guy who was practically unknown in his own community uh, to being one of the greatest and most influential healing ministers and evangelists of the 20th century. 
the power of God in you will do something. Amen? So listen, Wigglesworth has been famously quoted as saying this. And once again, we're talking about authority here. He said this. He said, if the Spirit's not moving, I'll move him. If the Spirit's not moving, I'll move him. And some people have taken the words, if the Holy Spirit is not moving, then I'll move the Holy Spirit. Okay? Now, if you know anything about Smith Wigglesworth, that wasn't a reverent statement. That man feared God and lived a life that, don't, Jesus, burn me up. I'm yours, right? And, and so I, I think he said that because he was confident in the authority he had been given as a co-heir in Christ. And I think he understood, y'all, please listen, especially if you feel like you're called to ministry. He understood the difference between the power and the authority of God. Let me give you the best description I've ever heard the difference between the two. Y'all can think I'm crazy. It's fine, okay? But listen, power is this. It's when it is very evident that God is moving in the room, okay? In other words, where we discern, for lack of better words, what he is up to, and we do our best, you know, poor analogy here, but to paddle like a surfer to catch the wave, Okay, and, and, and what I mean is that it can happen in a service, it can happen in a conversation. There's just evident, man, Jesus is here, and this is what he's doing. And, and I referred to this day before, but, uh, you know, it's the, it's the best example. It's happened many times in the last 20 years of ministry, but, but I'll give you the time where I would say it was the greatest, most evident. We were at a youth camp. Once again, I've said it and said it and said it. We were in a youth camp, and it was the last night, and, man, I'm just telling you, man, the kids were hungry Man, they, uh, they prayed the house down for about 45 minutes. We rolled into worship, and the roof was about to come off the joint. I mean, the place was popping with faith, right? And, and there came a spot. We were third song in. I still remember the song we were singing. And, uh, and I was standing over here in the room, and the room was about double the size of this in length. And there was, I don't know, about 200 of us there. It was at a Presbyterian camp of all places. And... Um, and I remember looking at the pastor, at the, at the visiting minister, because we ha- would bring people in to speak. And, and I looked at him, and I just said, are you ready to pray? So what about, are you ready to pray? In other words, the wave is moving. We need to get on. Right? And, and he was like, yes, like, let's get it. Right? And, and the only thing I tell you, I walked here, and I touched the first per- I almost touched the first person. No, I did touch first part of the Now, and 10 kids went out the Holy Ghost. Boom! And then there was a wave. You don't know what that is. I'm sorry. The power of God hit these kids, and 100 kids went out in the baptism of the Holy Spirit like pickup sticks in less than 10 seconds. It started here, and the wave went that way across the room, and they were all laying on top of each other. Good day. Yes? And the, the best part is when there was those uh, kids from Presbyterian Church in the back that knew nothing of it, and, and the same thing happened to them. That's fun. So, you, listen, when, when I said this, when there's leaders coming, you know, because we got all dignified in the church. You know, if you from more charismatic Pentecost, we catch people now. You know, it's <laughs> dignified, right? When, when, when those people are coming to catch and the power of God's hitting them and they're falling, it's fun, Right? So, so it's just cool when, because we didn't touch all those kids. They just, I mean, literally, Jesus just went, Ugh. cool, okay? So that would be riding the wave, okay? It's where you stop doing what you're doing, and you just follow, okay? Now, let me show you the difference when it comes to authority. Authority is when we uh, have to access our inheritance 
by faith, and we start the wave. Okay, I know you think I'm crazy. It's okay. So listen, let, let me just give you a real example of maybe where we've been walking lately. And, and what, what, I, what I mean by that is, let me, let me see if I can give you a better context. In other words, you cannot discern necessarily that the power of God is moving, but you say, you know what, I know what the Bible says, and so I'm going to move. And usually by faith that he's going to come with you. <laughs> right? And I've had times where he has, and I've had times where it was me. Okay, let's just get real. But, but listen, over, basically over the past couple of weeks, we've done this. Four weeks in a row, we, we have stepped out and we have prayed for people. There was no, you know, like the Bible actually says, and this is kind of the wave, it says that they could tell that the presence of the Lord was there to heal. In other words, you know what he's there to do. We, 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 we just said this recently, okay? Let's preach the word, let's talk about healing. Okay, now we're going to pray for people. Okay, and at that spot, guess what? We just went, okay, there's the Bible. Let's see if we can create a wave. And we just prayed for people just simply by faith. Am I making sense? There wasn't a strong anointing. Uh, you, you know, listen, we were just doing what God said. And, and I think we can do this because the anointed one who possesses all power and authority dwells in us. Okay, now let me see if I can give you an example. Hopefully I'm making sense. I'm trying to hustle. Remember, we are talking about people who who perpetually wait upon God. Let me show you what it's like. Illustration, I'm going to circle back around to the authority piece, okay? Um, if you can, just in your head, just, you know, just think about electricity. Uh, we all know that the power company generates the power, right, and delivers it to our homes. Is that true? Okay, I, like, nothing, you know, we're not out in the front yard making it, okay? So, now, obviously, it isn't our power but watch this, but it has been put under our control or our authority, meaning that when it gets dark outside and we would like for the lights to come on in our house, guess what? We don't just sit there on the couch. What you doing, Mom? Well, I'm waiting for the guy from the power company to come on over and turn the lights on. <laughs> right? Like we don't sit there and wait for the guy to show up in the truck, just walk in the living room and walk over to the light switch and go, have a good evening, ma'am. <laughs> right? Listen, they're, they're not going to come no matter how long you wait. Right? Why? Because it's not their responsibility. Okay? Their job is to generate the power, and it's our job to access the power by simply getting up, walking across the room, and flipping the light switch on the wall. Is that true? So listen, it's in that moment, right, where we go... The power which has been made available to us by the power company runs through these little wires. We don't even know how it works, right? Runs through the wires, and what happens? It hits that light bulb, and the light comes on, and we're grateful, and we pay them our money, <laughs> right? So, so, listen, which in essence is this. It's us using, once again, the authority the power company has given us to command the power to work. Hopefully I'm making sense. Listen, likewise, as Christian, Christians, Christians, we can either continue to sit back like many other people do and keep waiting on God to show up in his power, or we can start acknowledging what he's already done for us by giving us his, his authority to do the things he's called us to do, which is to, key word, is to put a demand on his power. Right? Listen, over the past few weeks, let me, let me say it this way. Um, 
We have had more people in this church healed in the past month than probably in the last year. Okay? That's cool. Okay? And, um, and what's so neat about that is, is once again, there wasn't ever a wave. We just stepped out, believed the word, and put a demand on the word, and God showed up and healed people. Am I making sense to y'all? Yes, no? So, so let, me, let me maybe even give you an, an example here. Um, I, I, remember, I remember, so at our old church, we, we had a, I'm going to take y'all back here. We had a beeper, okay? And we had to hold that beeper uh, long past when a beeper was cool, okay? And so anyways, so that beeper was called uh, the, the, basically the pastor-owned call. And there was eight of us, I think, at one time that rotated that, uh, and it ended up being like four of us. And basically, we, you, you, would, you would pretty much have that pager three months out of the year. And what that meant in the church, we had thousands of people in our church, that if, that if uh, an emergency happened, they would call a number that would page that pager, and we would call and, uh, and figure out what was going on, and we would respond to it. Remember those days, Josiah? And so... <clears throat> Anyways, so, so one day I got a call from some random number. I called it back, and they said this. They said, we think a person from your church was in a car accident. And, uh, and basically they told me that, some, they, that they watched. They were on, a, basically it's 295, if you've ever been to Fayetteville. Anyways, they were on the interstate. Some deer ran across the road, and he uh, swerved to miss it, and he flipped his Explorer and it rolled a few times, and it slung him out the car, and he was laying on the ground. And they said, we think he goes to your church uh, because I guess there were some choir papers in there. There was uh, uh, basically the name of the church on the front tag, and he was listening to some praise and worship music. If you want to get in a wreck, make sure you listen to praise and worship music. All right? <laughs> so, so I remember calling his uh, son-in-law and saying, hey, man, uh, name the guy. He got in a car accident. It's not looking good. And so they rushed over there, and I remember showing up at the hospital, like, and I prayed, and then a few days later I went back, and he had severe brain damage. And, uh, and when I went in, he was like being totally uh, unruly. That's even a word, okay? And in other words, there was, you know, basically his daughter, his wife, and uh, I think there's somebody else in the room. They couldn't, like, control him. He was just moving, he was, and he was agitated. He was angry. He was because he, he got not senseless, right? And so he wasn't himself. And I remember going in there, and once again, how many of you guys know at that moment, there's not a wave? And you're like, Jesus, we need you to start a wave, right? And I remember just simply laying hands on that man, because it's how it works a lot of times, Jesus did it. I wish I had time to show you. I laid hands on this guy, and I commanded peace in Jesus' name. Okay? And he went from being to. And his daughter and his wife, who looked like two whipped puppies in the room, finally went, whew. But why? Because someone came in that understood I've been given authority. Right? And let me impart it in Jesus' name. And he came. Am I making sense? So let me just say this. That every time that you decide to be generous, you put a demand on the promises. Right? Every time you pray, you put a demand on the promises. Am I making sense? Going down the list, right? Every time that you do what the Bible says, 
it happens, right? And, and so I'll just say this. I think the choice is ours today, right? That, that the first option, we can just keep waiting, right? And I want you to know it's going to change nothing. Y'all hear me? It's going to change nothing, okay? But the second one, if we say, you know what, we're going to actually step out, then, then it's going to unleash a whole new realm of possibilities for you in this church that I'm excited to experience if we're willing to go there, right? Because I'm going to shoot straight with you, okay? Um, I'm going to go log. I'm going to tell you, y'all don't look at that clock on the back. Don't worry about it right now, okay? I see y'all looking. It's okay. <laughs> Sundays, I want to rip it off the wall. Anyway, so um, I'm going to shoot straight with you for a minute. Like, I'm excited that God's healed some people in the past month. There's some, there's some bigger reasons I preach what I preached. I'll shoot straight with you. There are people who are dying of cancer, and I want to see Jesus heal them. Okay? And, and so, listen, I just think this is that we have an option. We can go, oh, that was a cute little four weeks, or we can keep pressing, and we keep believing, and we can see if a culture begins to be created where Jesus is welcome to do what he wants to do. Am I making sense, y'all? Here's the good news. It's not lunchtime yet. (laughs) Let me give you some scripture to back this up real quick, and then I'm going to try to finish this out. If there's a chance that you're sitting here today and you're struggling with what I'm saying, let me give you a biblical example. Luke 9 says this. It says, then Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them power, where power actually means miraculous ability to work miracles. And he gave them authority, which means delegated jurisdiction and influence over the spiritual realm. Okay? So he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Y'all get that? Now, fast forward a few verses. Verse 6 says, This is key. So they departed and went through the town, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. In other words, they didn't wait. They didn't go, yay, look what Jesus gave us. All right, let's sit down. Right? They realized what they'd been given, and they got up, walked across the room, flipped the light switch on, right? And all heaven responded by what? By casting out demons, by healing the sick, and preparing people's hearts for the gospel to come, right? So I just want to ask you today, man, if anything, shake ourselves. Remember, are we not supposed to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Yes, absolutely. Then we need to stop ignoring our responsibility by just waiting on God to do it all. Great place to say amen. All right, so let's shift gears and let's broaden our scope here, okay? Let's broaden our scope of what it means uh, to actually, uh, you know, take the opportunities that God's, God's given us and quite frankly, the responsibility, not just opportunities, but responsibility that we have access, once again, to use the anointing, the power, and the authorities given us, okay? Hopefully that made sense. All right, so listen, quick question. Why was Jesus given the anointing? Why was he given power? And why was he given the authority that he had? Like, I want us to think about this for a moment because it's key how we walk out of this room today. Like, why was he given those things? Let, let me help you out, okay? More pointed question. What, was, he given it, was, he given, was he given those things for himself or was it for others? Which one? Others. So do me a favor. I need some help today. Can you turn to your neighbor and say with some boldness and just simply say this, the same goes for you. 
Listen, guys, if we realize it or not, listen, God gave us access to all these things. Once again, the anointing, power, and authority, not just for our own benefit. We, we, we live in such a selfish culture in the church, we have forgotten why we've been given an inheritance. Smile at me. Yeah? Let, let me say this to you, and I don't know who this is for, but I'm just going to step out in faith today. Yesterday, I was sitting on my front porch, and I was uh, sitting in a chair that Robbie gave me, and I was sitting there, swimming, whatever, I was bouncing, a little Italian thing, right? And I got my laptop, and I'm typing, and the presence of God went, and I felt the anointing come upon me. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't think I got it all right, but I want to tell something prophetically to somebody. I just typed it out, don't normally do this, but I'm going to say this because this is for somebody. Here's what I heard the Lord say. I heard him say, it is time for you to quit hiding your light under the basket. You have a greater destiny on your life than what you are currently walking in. So I remind you today in the name of Jesus that you've been called to be a city on a hill. And it is time for you to let your light shine brightly and boldly so that the world around you may see and turn to him. Remember when you told him, it would be me, that you would do whatever he asked you to do. When you vowed that your life wasn't your own, but his, that you would do whatever he asked you to do. Well, you've allowed your desire for comfort to rob you of your obedience and willingness to take a risk for him. And it is time to return to your promise. So detach yourself from your excuses and trust him once again. Listen, I don't know who that's for. I know what I saw, but I won't go into it at the moment. I actually saw an individual. But, but listen, if that's for you, man, please heed the word of Jesus. Yes? So listen, I want to encourage you, if that was for you or not, to basically remember that, yes, he's given you an inheritance. And yes, he's given it to you to enjoy. The Bible says it. it's supposed to be a blessing and a benefit but at the same time, man, the Bible says if we have freely received, then we need to freely give. So I ask you today, what have you received from heaven? Because that, that gives you a, a authority in an area to basically be a conduit for the power of God in that area. I dare you to believe me. Amen? So here's the main point I want to tell you today, okay? I said all that to get to this point, and I'm going to give you a scripture, and we're going to roll might even give you two, is this, is that you and I, we were allowed to share in Jesus' inheritance because we've been called to share in his mission. Please hear that. That we were allowed to share in Jesus' inheritance, all those things because we've been called to share in his mission. What's his mission? Let me give it to you quick. Luke 4. It says that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as he was, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Now watch what Jesus declared. Here's his mission. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he he, the Father, has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me with what? Power and authority to do what? To proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
we bump on over to Isaiah 61, we find out it goes on to say, to comfort all who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And then it says this in verse 20, back in Luke 4, it says, And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. It says, and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. It says, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. So listen, as we can see, his mission was this. It was to declare the gospel to those who were spiritually poor and oppressed. Those who were unsaved, living in darkness, okay? To bring freedom to those who were bound in sin. To restore the sight of those who are spiritually and physically blind. Healing's wrapped up in that. To declare and to release the kingdom of heaven. That's what he's saying. To give the blessing of an abundant life. To comfort those who are brokenhearted by the things in this world, right? He came to exchange the ugliness and the pain of this life for a rare beauty and a joy that turns into praise. And he came to take our lives, guys, that were unstable lives, to turn them around so that they could be firmly planted in his truth. Let me give you the Quentin version. His mission, in short, was to come to take that which is out of order and to put it in order. Jesus came to make things right. Amen? Now listen, with all that said, remember, he gave us inheritance so we could share in his mission. If you don't believe me, look at John 20, 21. So Jesus said to them, peace to you as the Father has sent me. We just read it. We just read the mission of why the Father sent him. He said, I also send you. So I repeat to you today, we are, we are allowed to share in Jesus' inheritance because we are expected, right, to share in his mission. Amen? So let me ask you this today. How are you going to fulfill the mission? How are you going to do it? He's giving you the anointing. He's giving the power and the authority in Jesus' name to be successful in it. But how are you going to do it? You and I are all called, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be ministers of reconciliation. That's where we make things right. You and I will walk out of these doors today, and we're going to go into a broken world, right? And it's our job to partner with Jesus as co-heirs of Christ and help fix it. Not to just go, hey, everybody's going to hell in a handbasket. Stinks for them. I'm good. No. It's our job to go make it right. Yes? Are you hearing me? You have a responsibility before God. How will you make it right? And it goes beyond being nice to people. Can I say that again? It goes beyond being nice to people. Do you understand that when you open up your mouth and you share Jesus with someone, you put a demand on the anointing. You put a demand on the power of God. You put a demand on the authority of God. Somebody don't believe me. I'll give you a verse we all know. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Do you understand that? Listen, every, I said it last week at the end, but it probably got lost. That every promise, right? That every promise in the Bible is, for lack of better words, is impregnated with power, okay? And that when that promise is acted upon, that power that's in it is released to get the job done, yeah? That's why when we open our mouth to share, guess what? 
He's coming. The Bible says, I'll go there again, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that God is pleading through us, imploring through us, basically the people to get right with him. Amen? Yeah. Let me give you one final verse. You can stand to your feet. This morning we started with Ephesians 4. We talked about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. And I said, this is what it's about. In other words, if we don't have this understanding, we're not going to be able to do it. Do we all agree? Yes, okay? So let me show you what it says here. And I won't read the whole portion just for time. But Ephesians 4.15 says this. It says, but speaking the truth in love. I'm trying my best to do that, okay? But speaking the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives, expressing his truth. Watch this. Let us. Somebody say, that's me. That's me. No, no, no. Say, that's me. that's me. Let us grow up in all things. Did we not say he gave us all things? Let us grow, let's mature in all things into him, following his example. It's the mission. Who is the head is Christ. So think about this for a moment, okay? You need to grow in joy. You need to grow in peace. You need to grow in strength. You need to grow in faith to understand he'll provide for you. Grow in freedom for your lives. Time to get free of sin, guys. Time to live a pure life. All that secret stuff, get rid of it, please, in Jesus' name. It's time to receive healing physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. Get healed, right? Understand that He's here to protect you. He's going to guide you. Stop worrying about everything that's going on. Turn the daggum TV off. Okay? Listen, He's going to give you wisdom. It's time to grow in the anointing. It's time to grow in the understanding of how the power of God works and the authority that He's given you. Okay? He wants you to grow in these things. He wants me to grow in these things so that we can be successful in the mission He's given us. Amen? So please do me a favor, okay? Don't be like majority of the Sundays around here. Don't walk out of this door in a minute and forget what we talked about. Please. Please. Let me give you a, a pure revelation. Do y'all realize our obedience to the Word of God, to the messages that God gives us, has the power and the ability to affect and change generations? Listen, some of y'all's kids need you to break the curse that's in your family. Okay? There's junk that's been in the line before you, and you're doing your best to just be good and get right with God and love God. But God has given you the authority to break off deception, to break off lust, to break off alcoholism, right? To break off rebellion. Going down the list, whatever it is, right? E even this, I, I even said, it, it's, it's basically a religious spirit for some of y'all that you're dealing with. God has given you the authority to break it off. You need to do so in Jesus' name, right? And then what you need to do is you need to quit acting like that stuff, okay? And you need to live a pure life before God so that your kids can see an example of how they should live as well. Yes? Yes. Father, we thank you for the authority and the power, God, and the anointing that you deposited in us. And God, we're simply asking, God, that all the things that came with the inheritance as co-heirs in Christ, God, that we would take our responsibility, God, and we would begin to grow in it. Father, we realize that you have numbered our days. And God, we want our lives to count for something. So God, would you help us to understand quickly, God, so we can begin to walk in in greater measures. Father, I break the spirit of fear off of your people today. God, I break it off in Jesus' name.
Father, I thank you today, God, that we will no longer be ignorant of what your word says. Father, I pray that there would be such a hunger in our hearts to know you and to walk with you and to know your truth. And Father, I pray that the word of God would go down deep in our spirits. God, and it begin to produce the fruit that you desire. So Father, I pray that that low living uh, just mentality would be broken today in Jesus' name. When I was in ministry school, we used to line up across the stage and we had certain parts of this thing that I'm about to read to you. And we would basically say it with gusto and I'm going to declare it over us today. It's called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. It was written by a guy that uh, basically the night before he was to be martyred for Jesus, he wrote this and it was found in his belongings afterwards. He said, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. Come on, let's make this personal. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. And my future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living. Y'all hear that? I am finished and done with low living. Sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, chintzy giving, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I now live by presence, lean by faith, love by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by power. My pace is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven, my road is narrow, my way is rough, my companions few, my guide reliable, my mission clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, deterred, uh, deterred, lured away. Turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of adversity, negotiate at the table of the enemy, or ponder in the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go until heaven returns, give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes. And when he comes to get his own, he will have no problem recognizing me. My colors will be clear because I am a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. So Jesus, do only what you can do, God, in your people today. God, do in us as you see fit. God, we're yours. God, change us, wreck us, do whatever you got to do, God, so we can live obedient lives in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.